Hey everyone. As you know, I'm a huge fan of living a healthy lifestyle, including taking the right supplements. Collagen is one of my favorite supplements. It is the most abundant protein in the human body. As we grow older, we break it down faster than we can replace it. This loss affects our skin, nails, hair, muscles, joints, and tendons, bones, and gut, making us look and feel old. Totem Voss is a wellness company that created a collagen chew for a real-life person, the 78-year-old mother of the founder. As a result, the quality is unrivaled. Totem Voss chews contain equal part deep-sea Icelandic cod, domestic grass-fed beef, and organic chicken bone broth, along with companion ingredients such as vitamin C for full collagen synthesis. These varied sources address a greater range of collagen needs within the body. Their customers are reporting results with such problems as rosacea, osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, degenerative disc disease, as well as improved hair, skin, and nails. Practitioners are finding the juice to be an effective tool in restoring gut health. You can find Totem Voss, that's T-O-T-U-M-V-O-S, at getchews.com. That's getchews.com. Use code DRDIVA, that's D-R-D-I-V-A, for an additional 10% off your first order. I think the biggest thing that all these diets have in common, they are whole foods. There's no ultra-processed anything. All that stuff is not there. And that's a huge part of our food supply. When we eat, we're getting something out of the vending machine. We're watching Game of Thrones. We're weaving in and out of lanes in the traffic. And, you know, we're stuffing food in our face. And it's a sympathetic nervous system trigger. So it's not just what you're eating, but it's how you're eating. It's who you're eating with. You know, it's, a, it's just a very different experience to look at. Hello, this is Dr. Deva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am joined with Sean Wells. Sean has formulated over 500 supplements, food, beverages, and cosmeceuticals and patented 10 novel ingredients and is now known as the ingredientologist, the scientist of ingredients. Formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience, he's counseled thousands of people on natural health solutions such as keto, paleo, fasting, and supplements. He's also personally overcome various health issues, including Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, and a pituitary tumor. As a world-renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health, he's been paid to speak on five different continents. His insights have been prominently featured in documentaries, naturally syndicated radio programs, and regularly on morning television. His expertise can help any health-conscious individuals to better manage stress and experience high performance and more energy through utilizing his practical research-backed solutions. Good afternoon, Sean. How's it going today? Amazing. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I've um, been looking forward to this because it's a lot of the topics that you are an expert at um, hits home for me. And I'd love just to get into a, a nice discussion about what is what. There's so much information out there, you know, and there's so much 
wrong information that's out there. But with your clinical expertise and with your background, I'm sure we can just get to the root and just really talk about what's what and uh, get rid of all these myths that we see on the internet and, and various podcasts. But first, I really want to understand, I kind of know already, but you have such an amazing history and story. You know, you've battled such chronic autoimmune conditions like Epstein-Barr and fibromyalgia. And in my previous life as a traditional Western medical practitioner in, in interventional pain management, you know, I would just hit these things with, with medications and uh, not really do any diagnostic workup. And then a lot of times I would dismiss these patients because I thought there was a head case. And a lot of people to this day still do that because these are some things that aren't really looked into in depth um, from a holistic perspective. It is, but a traditional medicine, we just dismiss these things. But talk to me about some of these things that you've been facing and how you got yourself out and where you are today. Yeah, thank you. Um, and it's really just a story of through my childhood of, of bullying and abuse uh, that I self-soothed with uh, food, junk food in particular, video games, that kind of thing. And I got used to being last picked and the guy who never got the girl. And, you know, that beat down my self-esteem. I did pretty well in school and uh, got into a really good business specialty school, Babson. And I thought that's what I was supposed to do or what I was told to do is just go make money, uh, go pursue a logical path, you know, don't do anything hippie or chase your dreams. And so I ended up doing that. And uh, over time, I was pushing so hard in school. And um, I, I lost weight uh, and started to look good. And girls started to give me some attention. And guys asked me what I'm doing, you know, because I was working out, I was in the gym, I was taking creatine, which was new at the time, I was taking protein. Um, and my life was, was changing. Uh, I was going into GNCs and, you know, looking at these bottles for hours. And so I went to the doctor and, you know, in between my sophomore and junior year for a physical, and I was telling him about all these supplements and how my body was changing, how excited I was because I've been essentially laughed at my whole life and have very low self-esteem. And he turned to me with a lifeline and said, it had 20 and 80 on it. And he said, why not be happy between here and here? Hmm. Wow. And he just gave me permission to like pursue this joy that I, that I guess I was exuding on him. <laughs> and he could tell that like, I guess I wasn't as passionate about the school I was currently in. Um, so I ended up finishing my degree at Babson and, uh, you know, graduating with really good grades. But my goal was in, in less than two years to knock out all the prereqs to get into UNC Chapel Hill, uh, which was my dream school for nutrition and biochemistry, uh, because I wanted to be a formulator. That like got into my head, this very niche position of, I don't know, there's probably 50 people on the planet doing, but that's what I wanted to do. And I walked into UNCG, UNC Greensboro, to get all these prereqs, and the guidance counselor, after I told him about my dreams, laughed at me, and he said, you're a business student. This is 26 credit hours a semester of sciences. You'll fail and you'll fail miserably and you're not even in that good of shape. And I left there dejected, crying, and then I had a bottle of vodka and a bottle of pills right in front of me and I thought about 
killing myself that night. I had always been uh, battling depression because of my my uh, youth that I told you about that was just kind of a difficult time. It certainly wasn't about high self-esteem. And I've been hanging on to this dream for two years thinking this is what I was going to do. And I felt like while one person with their words gave me my dream and changed my life path, this guy with his words essentially took away my dream and was going to radically change my life path to death. And so I mean, just throwing out there the, the power of your words are sometimes more than we give them credit for. Uh, luckily, I did not kill myself that night. Luckily, I, I used that as, as fuel to my fire to strengthen my resolve. I thought hateful things about that man for several years. It kept me on pace uh, to get straight A's through all those classes. I didn't go out partying. I didn't go out you know, drinking and, you know, wasting time, like playing basketball and all these things. Like I was just focused the whole time I was there and I crushed those classes, just thinking about him every single day. And uh, I got into UNC Chapel Hill and about halfway through that, uh, I ended up getting very sick because again, I was pushing hard, still very low self-esteem. And I've gone from being 300 pounds obese at six foot two to 150 pounds anorexic where I wasn't eating at all and I was just taking diet pills and weighing myself after every time I, I peed on the scale to see if I lost weight. I mean, that's how obsessed I was. And then, and then I had points where I was orthorexic, where I was working out for four hours a day and I had to eat, you know, all this protein or else I'd go catabolic. And at no point did I really ever have self-love during any of this, even though my body changed pretty radically through all these different phases. And I think between that and pursuing my master's and working a lot, my body just shut down on me uh, when I was about halfway through at Chapel Hill. And I got strep throat, Epstein-Barr, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, uh, Hashimoto's, and I couldn't get out of bed. Like I was just inflamed and in extreme pain and so exhausted that, you know, it was lucky to have 30 minutes to an hour out of bed a day in my own apartment, let alone go to school. I mean, that wasn't even an option. So again, I thought about killing myself because again, my dream seemed like it just dissolved and, and went away and, and I had no way out of this and this was going to be my life just laying in a bed. But luckily I stumbled into the ketogenic diet at the time on some message boards, found it had some good results with people that have had autoimmune issues. Uh, I definitely started working on um, eating better as well. Like even though I was in school for nutrition, you know, they were teaching me very different things. They were teaching me, you know, protein is something you want very little of, that fat is bad for you, all these things. So I was shifting my paradigms, kind of looking at keto and paleo and some of these things. And this was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I, I really was able to get back to school, um, keep this at bay as long as I was on the diet, but that wasn't always easy because there wasn't all these recipes and, and bars and, you know, treats and all the things like there is now. Um, 
So I eventually, I ended up getting a job at Diamatize, which was my dream job. I had my first real job as a formulator after I'd finished with a, a long stint in clinical dietetics. And, uh, and I was working 70, 80 hours a week as a formulator, like trying to help this company go to sale, reformulating all the products. I was just obsessed with doing a great job there. And I wouldn't always keep up with the keto. I was just grabbing stuff out of the vending machine. The stress was extreme. And I ended up getting a pituitary tumor. And that's when I said, all right, I really have to put all the pieces together. I have to put my physical health first. And that's when I started making sure I did like cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting, paleo. Uh, I was working with an allergist and immunologist, um, you know, getting all that blood work right. And, you know, doing regular exercise, making room for that uh, so that I could keep all these things at bay and, you know, try and be physically healthier. And that is something that I've accomplished. And I kept up, you know, working four to five, working out four to five days a week, um, you know, with trainers. Uh, but it's only been this last year. And this is kind of the story that you know me from that, like, I've really started to work on my personal, spiritual and mental health. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's been a key for me, like all these biohacks, all these things I've known for two decades are great, but it was just allowing me to push harder. It was allowing me to not be sick physically, but I've never been well mentally or spiritually. And that's when I started looking into plant medicine. That's when I started looking into therapy. That's when I started looking into mentors and taking time to read books and take walks and do grounding and, and, you know, sun gazing and, you know, just enjoy my life. Uh, that's something that I hadn't done to this point. I've always been trying to level up and push for achievement and get more. And someday when I hit this level, then I'll have the money, then I'll have the love, then people will really like me. And I've foregone joy for a couple of decades, just pushing and grinding and kind of going from sympathetic to ultra sympathetic never really going into parasympathetic nervous system. So that's my story. And, and I feel like I've, but it's, it's one I'm proud of, no regrets. You know, my hard work served me, it got me here. And, and it's all helped me empathize with the people that I work with and talk to. And, and I feel blessed for all that. But this has been an incredible year for me in particular, just delving into Sean Wells and putting the focus on Sean Wells and seeing how I can improve my self-esteem, how I can be proud of myself and how I can love myself so I can show up fully for others and live my why. Oh, it's so beautifully said. And thank you so much for sharing all that with me and, and with the listeners. It's just, it's, it's so real. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of people are like this, but not a lot of people have the courage to, to really chat about this part of their life and it's been missing but you would never know because you're so well accomplished, you know, and, and so brilliant. And, you know, obviously there's, you know, for those people who have that drive, there's something that triggered that drive to be so successful, to be so brilliant, to be so motivational. And, uh, you know, and I shared the same, same issues too. Kind of, I, I basically was in the same path that you were. And unfortunately for me, like you suffered from chronic diseases, you know, I had cancer. 
And it was just the, you know, the continued push and push and push and push and drive and never having any self-love. And, you know, now in the last two years, so I'm a year ahead of you <laughs> in the sense of, of trying to figure out it's more about loving yourself. It's more about giving, giving yourself to others. It's more about being unselfish and, and being of service. And so that's been my drive and it definitely has made me a lot happier but I still have a lot of physical stuff that I'm needing to overcome. But I'd like to really get into a conversation with you on your thoughts of the specific diets that you felt that helped you and what the trend is now. I mean, we have so many different types of diets out there. We have a Mediterranean, we have you know, the paleo, we have keto, we have this and that. And it's, let's just talk about keto because I, I, I really want to understand how, why keto was something that you chose early on in the benefits that it gave you specifically while you were having these disease processes going on? Yeah, you know, I think it hasn't been fully elucidated how keto might help directly with autoimmunity, but this is my, my theory is that there's a condition that a lot of people have. We know about 88% of the population has metabolic dysfunction. And with metabolic dysfunction comes ice or insufficient cellular energy states. And when we're chronically um, insufficiently providing energy to our body because our mitochondria aren't in high enough number or working properly, then that, that we get into problems, which is not only is there not enough energy, but then you get into glycation, inflammation, oxidation that are chronic as well, and insulin's elevated. And, you know, and then like a host of disease states come in with all this damage that's happening to the body, and you also get faster biological aging over chronological aging, and your body is just like trying to make it work somehow, but you feel chronic fatigue, you feel hypertonic muscles, you feel brain fog, your synapses are literally firing slower. I mean, there, there's just so many things that your body is just not functioning optimally because it doesn't have the energy it needs. And so keto isn't the solution for everyone. What it is, is I think for those that have uh, some degree of metabolic dysfunction, call it damage if you want, um, that this can be a really good solution. It bypasses the, the secondary complex of the electron transport chain where there's like a lot of errors happening and you're not like, Glucose is just staying elevated in the body in a, in a type 2 diabetic, people with metabolic dysfunction. And, you know, there's not enough insulin to really drive that uh, into, uh, into the cell to be used for energy. And so you're just getting insulin and glucose staying elevated and not getting the energy you need. And, you know, Alzheimer's is known as type 3 diabetes, essentially. You know, it's glucose intolerance in the brain cells. And so we're just seeing that that energy issue is a, is, a, is a real problem with how people feel energy towards life and they don't feel well and disease states come about and the aging becomes more rapid. And so if you can find a way to get an alternate fuel source, an alternate energy source, which in this case would be ketones, then sometimes that can turn the lights back on and really can help you fight back. And same with like, you know, paleo can help a lot of times because you're, you're getting rid of 
allergens uh, that can be associated with like leaky gut and leaky brain now that they're talking about because there's a gut brain axis. And some of these toxins are getting uh, in between the tight junctions in the gut and going straight into the bloodstream and wreaking havoc. So there's a lot of things to look at, but like that's a reason why uh, keto might be able to help with autoimmunity and a number of these metabolic diseases like cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, some of these kinds of things. And then paleo can help on that uh, inflammation uh, front as well. So uh, those were both helpful to me in my journey. I'm, I'm certainly not anti-carb. I do cyclical and targeted ketogenic diets where I do have carbs. I just use them strategically and think about when I'm going to have them. Um, but Mediterranean diet is great. But there's a huge difference between Mediterranean diet in the Mediterranean versus Mediterranean mm -hmm. diet trying to execute it in, in the West. Right. And that would be the biggest thing that blue zones have in common isn't really even directly dietary, except for they all eat whole food. They don't eat processed food. The biggest thing is that they have community, is that they prepare their own food, that their food is local, that they sit down for three hours and commune and have fellowship over the food. And it becomes a parasympathetic nervous system experience. Whereas when we eat, we're getting something out of the vending machine, we're watching Game of Thrones, we're weaving in and out of lanes in the traffic, and you know we're stuffing food in our face, and it's a sympathetic nervous system trigger. So it's not just what you're eating, but it's how you're eating, it's who you're eating with. You know, it's, a, it's just a very different experience to look at. But Mediterranean is pretty well proven, and it is made up of a good balance of what I would say healthy carbs, healthy fat, healthy protein, and, and that's great. And they might have a glass of wine over the course of three hours. <laughs> um, you know, they're not pounding wine either. You know, like I think it's for them, it's, it's less is more, not more is more. You know, it's, it's very reductionist. It's very simple. We make things very complicated in the West. And I think the biggest thing, that all these diets have in common. When you look at keto now, like a clean keto diet, you look at paleo, you look at Mediterranean, they are whole foods. There's no ultra processed anything. These uh, seed oils that are damaged, you know, the high in sugar, corn syrup, whatever, artificial flavors, colors, sweeteners, uh, GMOs, antibiotics, all that stuff is not there. And that's a huge part of our food supply. So our foods are made for us to overeat. They override satiety signals and they trigger what's called bliss point. So they're triggering dopamine and serotonin in your, in your head. Like once you pop, you can't stop. You can't eat just one. I mean, they've shown like the way your brain reacts to sugar is, is very similar to cocaine. Like, and it's all impulse. Like you walk in a convenience store and it's like a store of impulse. And, you know, there's the, you know, all the colors and the candies and the, and the, the drinks and, you know, caffeine, sugar and tobacco and porn and lottery. And, you know, it's literally meant to prey upon your impulses. So when you eat healthy food and you're eating whole food, and you have satiety, 
and you feel happy and you're not on this roller coaster of all these chemicals, you're not in that same position. So that's, that's what I would say is important to know about diet is I think whether you're vegan or carnivore or anything in between, it's all about whole foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And it was really well said. It's, I love the whole community aspect that you were talking about because we don't do that enough. In fact, you know, when I was growing up, it was imperative that we had family dinner. And now, you know, it's like, I'm guilty of this too. It's like my dinner is, is you know, in between meetings or my lunches in between meetings. And it's like 10 minutes of just throwing stuff down into my, into my, into my mouth and, and hoping that I would digest it. But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, the more you do that, you know, the nutrients that you're supposed to be getting from eating a proper diet isn't being absorbed because it's just being you know, thrown down as rapidly. And then we're in the sympathetic system uh, and, and we're not able to uh, get anything out of these, these, these uh, nutrients that we're intaking. And uh, it's just, Everything is just is is really pushing us towards having a balance of this uh, fight or flight stress response. And honestly, all the things that we could be discussing today, you know, the one thing that I feel is really imperative for people to really take home is mitigating that stress response and really trying to do anything possible throughout the course of the day to be more of an parasympathetic rest or digest state. And if we're able to accomplish that then everything else is just going to gonna work itself out. And, um, you know, again, like you and myself, I and mean, you were both perfect examples of, of the extreme. We've been in fight or flight for such a long time. And as a result, you've had so many uh, disease processes that have plagued you. I've had cancer. And so, yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's, that's been um, a lot of things I've been reading, researching, and, and people whom I'm talking about. That's the number one thing for any type of wellness is really getting back into an autonomic nervous system balance where we're more inclined getting off that meter of sympathetic fight or flight and getting more into a rest or digest. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a bucket, right? It's the allostatic load bucket, right? And that's your, your body only has a, a certain size bucket to take in stress. Mm-hmm. And if you think about a bell curve of the types of stresses, like a bell curve, like on the left hand tail, let's say is not enough stress to where there isn't that hormetic effect where we grow and adapt. And then there's in the middle, the bulk of the bell curve is stress, which is a good stress that helps us grow, adapt, just like going to the gym, taking hot and cold showers, uh, you know, reading, like all these things that we're doing that can help positively stress, positively help our bodies grow and adapt and get better. And then on the other tail, the right-hand tail is distress, where it's just too much and your bucket, your allostatic load bucket is overflowing. But if we get in the habit of doing that eustress that is building us up, then we can grow a bigger bucket and therefore we can deal with more stress, whether it's physical or mental stress, it doesn't matter. Um, That stoic kind of thinking of like the obstacles, the way is the way that you can view things and successful people that are really good at dealing with stress are reframers. They're really good at reframing something that would seem negative and turning it into a eustress from a distress. And that's a really good talent. That's something that I've learned with uh, Byron Katie's uh, therapy uh, that's helped me a lot psychologically working through prior traumas in my life is 
getting it all out, saying everything you have to say about it, telling your stories that aren't exactly true, but they're stories that you've held on to. And then you reframe it. And then you ask, is this really the case? Is that really how it happened? And if you can reframe, life can be so much better. If you can reframe and think life isn't happening to me, but for me, it can be so much better. Like I said, I don't have regret looking back now. Like I'm actually proud of the way I pushed through. I'm proud of all those things that broke me down and, and made me sick and now connect me to other people and gave me my passion and gave me my why. So it's all happened for me if I look at it that way. And that's, that's my lens. I'm, I'm believing that life is happening for me and I'm getting better as a result. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, but in the in the same light, uh, we still have to take care of our bodies. Yeah. And, you know, obviously trying to be more of a parasympathetic rest and digest state is optimal. But in the meanwhile, we have to really feed our bodies the right nutrients, the right supplements. And the biggest buzz these days is anti-aging. And part of anti-aging is mitochondrial health. Yeah. And um, I wonder if you could just take a few minutes just to talk about the mitochondria its health, its importance for us in regards to aging, you know, how we can optimize our mitochondria, whether it's through supplements, through different modalities and activities. I'd love to get your insights and thoughts on this. Yeah, there's things that you can do to directly help the mitochondria, and then there's things that you can do to stabilize what mitochondria, when they're not working correctly, are doing. Like I said, the things that help with glycation, inflammation, and oxidation. Uh, which is why I actually think like in lieu of a, a friend of mine is working on a, a very advanced mitochondrial test that you can do with a swab that, that supposedly will be able to see like how each complex in the electron transport chain is working and how the mitochondria are actually doing. That would be great. But my basic solution was we can look at hemoglobin A1C for uh, glycation. We can look at um, CRP for inflammation, we can look at oxidized LDL for oxidation and take a look at a snapshot. It's a little bit of a one-off, but we can say, okay, how's the body doing here? How are we aging? What is our likelihood of getting uh, a, a metabolic disease? And so the, those simple tests, like a hundred bucks, you know, like we could really do a lot of things in medicine if we were looking at those proactively, maybe like twice a year and just plotting that. Uh, I think we could be ahead of the, the curve on a lot of things and it wouldn't be costly. But to me, some of the things I would take are things that do help directly first with mitochondrial health. So that would be CoQ10 and PQQ. Uh, those do help with uh, what I was talking about, the electron transport chain. Um, you can take some things that are Krebs cycle intermediates, citric acid, malic acid, um, um, AKG, some things like that. Uh, there are some things like if you look in the Krebs cycle, or some people call it citric acid cycle or tricarboxylic acid cycle, um, it's the NAD to NADH part of that crank that's making ATP. And you want to skew it towards more NAD. And you know all about this. And, and certainly IV NAD is very hot, but it's a miserable three or four hour experience. And 
people are trying to find a better way to do this with supplements. So far, NR has kind of been a little bit of a bust, uh, niogen, um, nicotinamide riboside. Uh, the results have been kind of equivocal. NMN has had some better results, but it's more at really high doses that get expensive. Like we're talking at least one gram, probably more like two grams if you're extrapolating out from animals and people are taking 250 or 300 milligrams a day. So they're not getting enough. There's an interesting way that people are seeming to get anecdotally, they give me great feedback. I haven't seen any research on it is intranasal NAD. And that may be a way that you're, you know, you're bypassing the nausea and, and paresthesis of NAD IV, and you're also bypassing uh, digestion and, and the liver being involved with NMN and NR. So that may be a, a good hack, and, and it's something I need to experiment with myself. Um, and then beyond that, um, I like looking at uh, protecting DNA with, with methylators, um, like creatine, betaine, which is also called TMG. Um, there's some sirtuin activators, uh, which, you know, the cert genes are associated with aging and telomere length. Um, so looking at things like these polyphenols, like resveratrol, uh, like from red, red wine, terostilbene from blueberries, EGCG from green tea, um, quercetin from onions, some of those things. Really cool. And quercetin actually, interestingly, uh, is uh, kind of works on another front where it's, it protects from NADA's CD38, which actually keeps NAD around longer. So like some of these things can be boosting up NAD and quercetin is going to, you know, kind of be an inhibitor to keep it up. So they can work hand in hand together. And then my next favorite ingredients, um, Berberine is, is one of my all-time favorites because metformin, as you know, has been used for anti-aging for probably two decades. Metformin is recently getting pulled off the market, though, for being tainted. There's some issues, and it does cause a B12 deficiency over time. Um, so berberine works very similarly to metformin, and in, in a study, actually, it was shown head-to-head -to, -head to be superior to it. And then there's a form called dihydroberberine, that's about five to six times more active. Uh, it's actually what berberine converts into in the gut. So you don't get the GI distress that can be associated with berberine or metformin sometimes. So that's, that's, a, that's a big one. And then people have said in the past, well, they are toxic to the mitochondria. So this goes back to uh, the idea of hormesis. In the short term, metformin, berberine, et cetera, have been shown to have that stress on, on the mitochondria, but it's a hormetic stress, at least at the doses that's recommended. And long-term, it's been shown to actually cause mitochondrial biogenesis, where you have more mitochondria. So it's actually a tool to make your mitochondria work out and, and function better. So that's a use um, stress, correct? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so uh, and, and glycation leads to advanced glycation end products, which are aptly named ages. So literally berberine, 
if you look at the metformin data, there's a study that, that theorizes that it's about an additional two years of life to a human just from taking metformin. And so, and this is in non-diabetics. And there's nothing that I know of that works that well on its own. So I'm really a huge fan of dihydroberberine in particular. Uh, one thing I would say is to definitely take additional B12. That hasn't been shown uh, on the herbal side like it has been shown on the metformin side, but that's just good insurance and I love B12. Take the methylcobalamin form, the active form. Um, and let's see what else. So on inflammation, I am a big fan of curcumin and CBD. Um, curcumin, make sure you get some kind of bioavailability enhanced one or take it with a fatty meal and some black pepper. Uh, both of those have been shown to improve it. And CBD, I mean, you've probably heard all these miracle things about it, but it's really because we have this whole endocannabinoid system that can have deficiencies and issues that for some people, CBD is going to go way beyond just anti-inflammatory. It's going to improve mood and, you know, improve your, your joint function, improve uh, your, your thought clarity. Like it can be, it can be a radical game changer for some people, depending on the endocannabinoid system. Um, and then lastly with oxidation, it's actually a bunch of those polyphenols that I think are most important. And, I, and if you do look at a lot of these diets where people do live long time in the blue zones, they do consume these things. Uh, but again, they're getting them in their best form with healthy foods. You know, they are eating uh, onions and apples and getting quercetin. They are getting green tea and getting the EGCG. I mean, cool thing, like a, a great story to me is Mother Nature is kind of the ultimate formulator. And, and when I look at this, you look at green tea, which is consumed, you know, by a billion people or more every day. It has caffeine in it, which we know is a central nervous system stimulator. It has theanine in it, which is an amino acid, which calms you down and smooths out the caffeine. They've been shown to have synergy together. Then it has EGCG in it, which is a great antioxidant, but also improves blood flow in the brain and enhances BDNF and neuroplasticity. So now we have like this formulation <laughs> that's that's kind of cool like I, I, you know like i love that like how their mother nature can have a formulation too so that's one of the beauties of when you eat whole food uh that you can get these things you don't have to just take mega doses of all these pills i mean i do take capsules don't get me wrong but they are supplemental to a healthy diet for me and i think that's important to to keep in mind is your baseline should be good sleep, good hydration, good eating, de-stressing, you know, getting in that parasympathetic nervous system state with, you know, gratitude and meditation and, and relaxing and journaling and all that kind of stuff. And yes, have supplements, but have them be supplemental to a good foundation. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And I also want to point out that the dihydroberberine that you mentioned, that's, that's uh, something that you've patented and you've come up with. So I just wanted to, to acknowledge that. And uh, mm -hmm. we can talk later, you know, and obviously having the show notes where someone can find and purchase this. But I'd love to transition into supplements because this is a great topic as well. You know, there's so many supplements out there and manufacturers. It's like, you know, for a person who is looking at supplementation, 
you know, it's very daunting in terms of where to go, you know, whether you go to, you know, a natural store, when you get something that's being sold by your chiropractor, or if you want to go and, and be uh, frugal and go to Walmart or something like that, uh, that's an option too. But how do we distinguish these plethora of supplements that we're inundated with if we leave the home and go out to a store? And what's, what, what's your recommendations? Yeah. And, and this is something I'm definitely passionate about too, as someone who thinks that supplements can be quite powerful. It gets frustrating when, uh, you know, doctors might laugh at them or, you know, people get a bad experience with them and there, there is a lot of bad players out there. So it's definitely worth this knowledge. And this is what I've found is that no surprise, uh, the companies that have been around a long time usually have been around for good reason. Like Nordic Naturals, Now Foods, Jero, Doctors Best, Thorn. Um, you know, these kinds of brands are brands that you can rely on that have consistently tested out for over 20 years. And so those are brands that I think at the very least are a good place to start and establish a baseline. If you want to go cheaper or later and, and see if it works for you, then do that. But at least establish your baseline with a good product. Um, and then, um, I would also look at, um, a red flag. I think that's, that's considerable here is proprietary blends. Uh, if there's a proprietary blend, uh, then that is a problem because you don't know the doses that are there. Um, you know, I want full transparency. I want ingredients that are listed out. And you can see the, the active herb, uh, the, the root or stem or flower, the, you know, the part that it comes from. You can see uh, the active compound it's standardized to and then the dose it's in. And then you can go to like an examine.com and, you know, find some studies and see if this matches up as a study correct dose. But when you have 20 ingredients, uh, in a 700 milligram blend, it's an order of descending mass and you don't know how much you're getting. It could be 699 milligrams of the first ingredient and one milligram of the other 19. And so you're getting screwed over because it's a proprietary blend. So I like to look at something that has full, uh, full transparency, uh, honest labeling, something like that. And, um, and then I like less is more. Again, going back to that idea. Like I think typically, unless we're talking about a multivitamin, probably about five ingredients is about as many as it needs to be in there. There should be complementary mechanisms of action and like logic around stacking ingredients together. Not here's 20 ingredients that have been used to lower blood sugar. So we're going to put all 20 in there and someone will see something they like and it'll probably work. That doesn't make sense. Like, you should pick one ingredient that, you know, works well to do one pathway and then pick another ingredient that works complementary on a different pathway. And that's what good formulation is. And, and you'll see that from good solid products that have good reputations from good companies. And they also don't have claims around them of 880% more X because that's deceptive too and, and really not uh, compliant with like the FDA. Uh, you should make realistic claims around, you can make a claim around an ingredient if it's dosed appropriately uh, to a study. 
And then you can make a claim around the product if you put the whole product through studies, human studies, then you can make some claims around the product. But you can't make a claim around the product from one ingredient study, and you certainly can't make a claim around the product if it doesn't have any studies. So, uh, and you see that happen a lot with some of these new companies coming out uh, that are trying to, you know, just grab eyeballs and and grab dollars. So. Those are things I look for is non-boastful claims, full transparency labeling, um, and, you know, quality companies. And you are allowed to call this company and say, what's your quality control like? And I see like your lot testing. Um, walk me through that. You're allowed to see all that. Um, they also should have something that's called adverse event reporting, where they actually report to uh, medical doctors that review their adverse events and uh, severe adverse events and look at those and then based on the doctor's opinion, you report all that to the FDA. So that's stuff that should be there, but may not be, especially with these kind of fly-by-night companies. Hmm. Uh, that's, that's awesome. I really appreciate that review and that's going to be some good information for a lot of folks including myself. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thankful and grateful that I do use uh, Nordic Naturals for their fish oil. Uh, I'm a big proponent of fish oil as you are as well. And then I also use Thorn products and they seem to be just excellent in terms of their yeah. formulation and have a great history. Um, yeah. In addition, you know, one of the things that's been a really hot topic, um, a lot of people that are in the biohacking world are very familiar with this, but peptide therapy. You know, we have our own way of making peptides, like insulin is a peptide that we, it's a cell signaling molecule, but there are a lot of ways of getting extrinsic peptides for specific purposes. Can you kind of go into a little detail as to the benefits of peptides, what it is, and, um, you know, also, you know, talk about how the FDA is really making it difficult for, for manufacturers to make peptides. Yeah, peptides kind of... Uh are in this class of their own because they're a strand of amino acids that typically can occur naturally uh, when, when put together. So amino acids, uh, when there's more than one, it can be called a dipeptide, tripeptide, uh, oligopeptide if it's you know, a shorter length, and then polypeptides if they're longer ones, and we call those proteins. So um, they can occur naturally, like BPC-157 occurs naturally in the gut. Um, so you really can't patent it. And some of these compounds have been heavily researched um, to do amazing things. Another example of a peptide would be growth hormone. Um, you know, like it's, it's 20 amino acids long, I believe. So these things like really can't be patented and now there's like this whole world that's building up around these incredible compounds that are signaling molecules uh, to really help change the health of our body, especially when it comes to anti-aging uh, in a profound way. And so there's, there's a really amazing uh, data coming out from, and, and this stuff is at great prices too as a result because it's just really open to I would go through a medical doctor and do it um, because, again, you could probably get some tainted peptides or some lower quality sources. Um, but, yeah, you can, you can get all kinds of benefits like boosting growth hormone, like uh, with BPC-157 or TB-500, 
uh, it being powerfully uh, anti-inflammatory and healing, literally healing, promoting the healing process. And, and then there's brain peptides that we've found that increase things like BDNF, the protein I was talking about, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. It's, uh, one of the peptides for the brain is called dihexa, and another one's called cerebrolysin. Um, and then there's things that just enhance focus, um, like uh, CMANG. And there's, there's some really incredible peptides that are just flooding onto the market right now that are more powerful than, than most of the drugs that we've, we've ever used. And um, really more in that class, almost like hormones, like with, with the way they work, uh, but maybe even cleaner uh, because hormones can have that whole exogenous, endogenous kind of wrestling match, um, if you will, affecting that whole endocrine cascade. Um, so yeah, peptides are absolutely the future. And I think it's been pretty exciting when it comes to anti-aging and healing. Uh, I myself had a couple surgeries on my knees uh, from playing years of volleyball and basketball. And um, I use BPC-157 and TB-500 like crazy, along with uh, some uh, growth hormone-releasing peptides. And I healed up probably three times as fast as I was supposed to. It definitely worked, and my surgeon was blown away and trying to figure out what, you know, <laughs> what, what was so different about me. But uh, that's what I told him. And, and now I do know um, a lot of these functional doctors are, are starting to use those in conjunction with maybe some biologics like stem cells and hyaluronic acid and PRP and all that. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, it's fascinating. And again, I guess because there's no way of, of coming up with the brand new peptide, these are existing amino acids. So there's not a whole lot of research that's done on them. And the pharmaceutical companies aren't able to really uh, take advantage of this, um, which is why I'm assuming you know, the FDA is having issues with uh, manufacturers and, and compounding pharmacies putting these out there together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, you're, you're dead on. And uh, it's Pandora's box has been opened yeah. and it's hard to close it. And, you know, this time it's actually benefiting us. So yeah, uh, I think we've had plenty of things come out that have been hurting us for years and they've been pushing on us. And this is very cool. Again, I would work with a doctor on these compounds because they are drug-like in their effect. And I would make sure I'm getting them from a clean source, which, you know, a medical doctor can get ones that are certified uh, to be tested and clean. And then I would also be tracking some of these things with metrics, like what, you know, blood levels or, you know, something, or at least some outcome that a doctor could be looking at, uh, you know, working with you. So... It's better than just injecting yourself and hoping for the best. Right, right. Hey, Dr. Diva here. Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all have helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in oncology, cancer, healing, and medical eBooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. You've also helped us hit number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't received your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksatmillion.com. Visit from doctor2patient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. 
If you like our book and podcast, please go to Amazon.com to write a five-star review and go to Apple Podcasts to also write a five-star review on this podcast or any of our episodes that you've enjoyed. We need reviews to attract and secure top-notch guests for this show. Thank you so much for your support. You know, we've had such a great conversation about you know metabolic issues, supplementation. I, I kind of want to switch gears for, for the last uh, bit of the show and talk about spirituality. And before we get into spirituality, I think a nice transition would be to talk about one of your favorite books, The Four Agreements. And you know, it, it's 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 an amazing book, but I, I really want to understand why this is so dear to your heart. It changed everything for me, uh, really changed my life path when I read it. When I first started, I actually listened to the audiobook first, and I've read it several times since. But, um, you know, he starts out like with this Toltec shaman stuff. And at the beginning, I'm like, what am I listening to? Because <laughs> it was just so woo, you know, like it's uh, it was funny for me. But as I let it play, it was just you know, even before he gets into the, the four agreements uh, that everyone knows so well, he talks about that we've made agreements during our life. And this really ties in well to the Byron Katie therapy that I've done is that basically we take these things that people have told us about ourselves, that people are projecting on us, and we accept these to be true. We make agreements that these stories are true. And then we own these stories and become these stories we believe we're ugly, we're dumb, we're not athletic, we're this, we're that. We just start to believe these stories over time. These become agreements that we've made. And that's why he talks about like, um, you know, your words can be like black magic, essentially, is, is something he mentions in there. That, and, and people that are constantly talking ill of other people, uh, he really uh, damns quite quite harshly in the book, like for such a positive book, but he goes off on that being a potent form of black magic. People think that it's, it's not hurting anyone, but like this guidance counselor did to me that, that almost took my life. Like his words are potently affecting people. And if he is hurt then he is hurting people, he's projecting that hurt out and he desperately needs to heal and he desperately needs to not be in a position to affect other people's lives when he's not healed. Uh, so those are some things that I've learned. And then, and let's, let's. I think for a lot of people, they might not really know what the four agreements are. And and if I'm not mistaken, you know, this is all based on this book. Um, well, who's the name of the? What's the name of the author again? I can't remember the name. Uh, of the Don author. Miguel Ruiz. That's right. And if I'm not mistaken, like the four agreements, and this is so profound for me when I, when I read this, you know, it's like be impeccable with your word. Do not take anything personally. Do not make assumptions and always do your best. And yep. I mean, I, I mean, if you, those four things, if you can just put that to life and, and, and use those uh, as inspiration as how to live your life, I mean, it's just, it's just profound in many ways. Yeah, the don't take anything personally is is kind of, I think, the most key one Like yeah. for me. Like I, I was always pushing hard. I was honest. I was, you know, all those things. But, but for me, I struggled with the stories that, that I owned that people put on me. 
But what was cool that I did realize over time that helped me with my healing is that I also project positive on other people. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of the compliments I give other people are really things that I believe about myself. And that's a powerful thought too, like that you're seeing yourself in other people, but you don't ever give yourself that credit. Right. You know, there's, there's an exercise that you can go through where you talk about the three people that are alive that you'd eat dinner with and three reasons why for each of them. And then you talk about a person that, you know, is the last person on earth that you would have there, someone you, you hate and why. And you go through these nine things that of these three people, like Elon Musk, Leonardo da Vinci, Jesus Christ, you know, whoever it is. And you say, why? And it's all things that you love about yourself. And then that last one <laughs> is something that you don't like about yourself and you've struggled with. And that's why you like it gets under your skin and it makes it crawl. Like when you think about this person, it's because it's something that you're struggling with, your own demon, if you will, that you've struggled with. Because if you think about it, like again, you know, if someone is doing something that's you find silly, you just you just overlook it. It doesn't it doesn't fester. Uh, but the reason these fester is because it's something you were struggling with. But that's helped me a lot, like to really analyze myself is to look at like, why am I saying all these great things about this person? And, are, you know, what's what's connecting me to them? And it's because I see a lot of myself in them. And so that's that's a cool thought to to take a second and give yourself credit. Um, and. You know, I've actually gone back and read some of these really kind uh, emails that I've sent to people with all these compliments in them about how great I think they are and how much I valued their friendship. And, and I, because my therapist told me to do that, she said, go back and read it with your name in there and see how that feels. And that was like awkward and hard, but it's like something that you need to hear from you. You need to love you. You need to be proud of you. And, you know, we, we beat ourselves down. And if anyone talked to us like we talked to us, we wouldn't be their friend. And so that's where this needs to shift. And if you want to really show up and you want to be the best person you can be and change lives, then you need to love yourself. It has to start with you. And I think that's where people think that it's selfish to have self-care. People think that it's, you know, ideal to sacrifice. And when you're sacrificing, you're breaking yourself down. You're not holding true to your boundaries and who you really are. And so you're not showing up well when you're sacrificing. And you're not showing up in your, in your fullest if you don't have self-care. So if you want to really help people and be on fire with your why, then you need to take care of yourself first. Uh, I, I couldn't have said that any better. So thank you for sharing that, Sean. And I, and I couldn't agree more. It's, it's a testament to for our individual growth processes when we have self-love. And uh, again, that's something that a lot of people suffer from, including myself. And obviously with what you sharing, you know, that's been a, an issue for you as well. But I, I think it's, we're, we're in a society where we're constantly um, have this egocentric type of mentality where we're so hard on ourselves. And, you know, if you really 
consider this, you know, we wouldn't be that hard on an innocent child, you know, or a baby or a pet, you know, but we're hard on ourselves, you know, in, in a fashion that isn't agreeable to the way we would treat others. And so why do we do this to ourselves? And I've done this for many, many years. And, uh, it really wasn't until the advent of, of uh, my first plant medicine experience when I really um, experienced a, not the during experience, but the day after was where my mind was shut down to the point where I could really be in the moment. And that to me was, was a gift because I'd never been in the moment for probably all my life. And um, I'd always be thinking about the future uh, worrying about the future, having regrets about the past, and never being in the present moment. And a lot of that had to do with just you know, not really loving myself. And the more I, I realized the way I could be in the moment, you know, correlated with how much self-love I had. From, you know. And because those thoughts of, of hatred or just harsh thoughts of myself were gone. You know, it's, it's, it's gotten so much better over the last two years. I mean, it's like you know, 10, 15 years plus of of psychotherapy and doing some hard self-work, but I really have to attribute my success and my increasing love for myself to the plant medicines that I have um, encountered and experienced. And also the fact that not only the plant medicines make you more, more present and they give you an idea of what to work on with yourselves, but it actually, there are positive changes in the brain as a result of using these substances, you know, is increase in BDNF. There's increase in, in neuroplasticity. All are positive things for our brain. So mm -hmm. not only are you getting an experience where you're being shown things about yourself that you can correct, you're showing things about your shadow um, where you come to realize and, and, and overcome um, after acknowledging that this exists, but you're also having positive effects from a, a physiological perspective. And, and I, I just, I love talking about plant medicine. I can go on for hours and hours and hours, but yeah, it's definitely been a, a um, reason why my life has changed for the better. That's amazing. And, and uh, us having discussions on that has, has led me to pursue my, my path in, on that front as well. And it's been highly uh, curative and, and a huge change agent for me as well to, to delve into plant medicines on a, on a number of fronts. And, uh, they each kind of work in different ways and have, have opened my mind in different ways, opened my heart in different ways and helped me to uh, basically like reset the settings, you know, back to factory, you know, like and, and get rid of the, the, the broken patterns and processes that are spinning around the stories you keep telling yourself that aren't necessarily true, holding on to traumas that you don't need and no longer serve you. And it's just, it's, I think, very fundamental to get back to that self-love. Once you feel it in that space, I mean, you can tell someone the stuff all day long about loving yourself, being proud of yourself. Uh, you should let go of this trauma. But until you go into that space and you feel it, that's, that's where the change happens. Because you realize, like, when you're, when you feel the love, when you feel the healing, when you feel the laughter, when you feel the creativity and play that like, you're like, okay, that's what it feels like. That's what I need to work towards. And it's, you, rem you remember what it's like to be a beautiful and perfect child again and how much you've lost your way. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what's amazing about those plant medicines for me. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for being on our show today, Sean. I really appreciate the time that you've taken out of your busy schedule and to be on this podcast. And uh, for people who want to find out more about you, what's the best way of doing so? Yeah, uh, seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S. And I have like lots of uh, cited scientific guides there on keto and fasting, fasting for women, uh, supplements for immunity, all of it's free and cited and awesome stuff. Uh, I will be coming out with a book soon in February called The Energy Formula. Uh, that should be really good. It has a lot of supplements and exercise, nutrition, uh, advice, uh, growth mindset, a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, and then lastly, uh, at Ingredientologist, Scientist of Ingredients, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those places, YouTube. So yeah, I'd appreciate it if you follow me and, and support me as I try and support others and, and uh, also go on this journey of self-discovery and self-healing myself. So I appreciate it. Thanks for all the work that you do, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank you. Love you, brother. You too.